records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity in the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars for Wednesday, June 21st. Pardon me, 2023. How's everybody doing out there? Let me make sure I'm up and running on the streams. Right? I don't trust computers at all. Why don't you trust computers? You run everything by computer. I don't trust computers. How's everybody doing? So, yeah, we are live. Anyway, just finished day two of my Maritime Outreach Trainer uh, refresher. Uh, it's kind of rough because it's in California, New University of California, San Diego, and I'm in New York doing it via Zoom, but it's as good as a Zoom uh, training can be. Talented people, small group. A lot of input, a lot of commentary. I was talking a little bit about it with Jay Allen today. Uh, that it's uh, you know, not a lot of that going on in the United States. It's a shame. It's a really niche uh, area of safety, niche business, like we were discussing earlier this week. And on top of that, I had to contend with 23, 8, 9, and 10-year-old girls running around in the backyard for their end-of-the-year party. End of the school year, that is. We had what? <laughs> no. And then, you know, of course, you get the boo-boos, the scrapes. And he threw, he's, a, a, you know, about my son, he just threw a water balloon at me at 70 mile an hour. I said, oh, you got to be careful about that, son. Right? These are water balloons. <laughs> they hurt when you they go 70 miles an hour. But, all, you know, we had fun. We uh, actually went out and hired a lifeguard uh, for the afternoon for the pool. And I had no idea that you could hire a lifeguard for the afternoon, but they're out there. Who knew? Probably a smart thing to have if uh, you could swing it and they're not, they're pretty affordable and, uh, you know, just check credentials and references and things of that nature. Uh, now, if you're having a big party in your backyard, you feel you're going to be distracted by the adult beverages or, you know, by other things going on in the backyard, get a lifeguard. Probably well worth it. I mean, uh, now, you're already spending a lot of money on everything else that goes along with this. I'm just throwing out some trash there. And uh, probably well worth it. Big story today. And it's a sad one. Uh, I, you know, and of course, our thoughts are with the families of uh, the passengers. And of course, uh, we don't want, we want, you know, they still, it's uh, 9.22 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday. They're supposed to have enough 
uh, air until 4 or 5 a.m. on Thursday. So that's seven hours, six hours, seven hours, eight hours worth of air in there. We're talking about the Ocean Gate Titanic sub. Uh, oh, right. Uh, what's the name of it? The Ocean uh, Gate Titan submarine carrying five passengers that was reported missing on Sunday. U.S. Coast Guard said Tuesday afternoon that estimates are about 40 to 41 hours of oxygen remaining uh, on the Titan. The Titan will run out of breathable air by around 5 to 6 a.m. on Thursday. Passengers have been identified as Ocean Gate CEO Stockton Rush, French Mariner Henry, Paul Henry Nargiolet, British businessman and explorer Hamish Harding, Pakistani businessman Shahazada Dewu, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, and his son Suleiman Dewood. So uh, basically, it's how long did it take us to find the Titanic? 1912, right? To like 87. So you're looking at like 75 years here. I mean, you're in the Atlantic Ocean, 600 miles east of Cape Cod. Ocean is roughly two miles deep, pitch black down there. I don't know. Um, and this comes, uh, this comes, uh, brings up a whole bunch of questions, especially with boating, things of that nature. And we don't like to think about this. What could go wrong? And what kind of capacity are you going to have to respond to an emergency? Whether you're on a 14-foot fishing boat, which, by the way, I'm selling, contact me in the 14-foot fishing boat if you're interested in that, at jim.safetywards.com. Uh, a 14-foot fishing boat, or whether you're on a ocean liner and, and anything in between, what are exactly do you do in an emergency? I'm sure that they had safety uh, uh checks on here and everything else and all the protocols and everything else. Uh, there's been some reports that maybe that might not be true and some innuendo thrown back and forth. Uh, who the hell knows? I don't know. Uh, but what are exactly? Oh, sorry. In an emergency? I'm sure. But this has always got to be the thing on a boat, right? So uh, what's my experience on a boat? I've been boating all my life. Uh, uh, no, in one capacity or another, I was actually a member of the Sea Scouts uh, back when I was a youth for many years. My uh, brothers and ex works uh, involved in the scouting, uh, and my brother John was a quartermaster, which is the same as an Eagle Scout, except for Sea Scouts or Boy Scouts of America, part of the same organization. Right, So I'm very familiar with this uh, stuff. Not as familiar as my extended family. My uh, uncle is a captain, uh, tugboat captain, and among other things. So uh, what's uh, and I now and I do uh, work in the maritime environment uh, for maritime response things of that nature. So what uh, one of the things you have to go through, and this is uh, what it is: people don't ever plan on things going wrong. A lot of times it's familiarity. It's this, it's whatever that it's whatever you want to call it. 
well, hey, that'll never happen. It's never happened to me before, so it's never going to happen again. I've never had an emergency I'd see. Never going to happen again. It's never going to happen to me. Guess what? You can't have thinking that way. Because you have, you may be a responsible person. That doesn't mean other people are responsible people behind the wheel here of a boat, boat operators. You may, your boat may be in good shape. Other people's boats may not be in good shape. You may hit some deadfall out there that you didn't see, and now the boat's sinking. You may hit some deadfalls like debris in the water. You may, uh, you may have a, a, a rogue wave. My father and I were out on the fishing boat that I was I'm selling here back in the uh, mid '80s in the Raritan Bay, and we had another boat, cabin cruiser, 36 footer, cut us off in the water. Uh, all right, uh, we had the right of way, by the way, and cut just completely cut us off. We can't slow down. Came about 15 foot in front of us and full throttle. Waves were about two foot high and swamped the boat. So now we have an emergency situation where we have the boat swamped. My, uh, well, we were prepared. My father had uh, uh, on his outboard motor, that Sears 9.9 horsepower Ted Williams outboard motor. Uh, you had, it actually came with a pump where you could, uh, like a, a bilge pump where you have the motor running, you hook the bilge pump, the outboard motor. It goes and an outboard motor pumps out the uh, 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 pumps out the boat. We had buckets to get water out. We had a regular hand pump to get water out. So we were good. Uh, a and we always wore life jackets. A one uh, no a vest style life jacket in those days. Uh, with that, so yeah, we had capacity built in the system. Now we have a situation. With a tourist submarine, okay, I don't know anything about this. I'm not involved in this, but here are the questions. You're going on to a vessel like this, a rather small vessel, allegedly a five-person submersible weighing 20,000 pounds, and it's capable of diving 13,120 uh, feet, which is over two miles down. Uh, what are your well, – the question has to be, well, what are what – are, what kind of safety procedures do we have? What if we do? What do we do in an emergency? I'm sure there's a one hell of a uh, uh, indemnification contract on here. If something goes wrong, how are you going to get us up? And the thing, and I'm I'm sure that the thing is, well, nothing bad happened before, it won't happen again. Or we maintain this thing and everything else. And here we have uh, a. Uh, doo -doo -doo. Here we have here, uh, there was a uh, veteran explorer, and this is off of uh, uh, foxnews.com, Bradford Vets. Veteran explorer Josh Gates, who hosts a TV series investigating myths and legends around the world, revealed on Twitter Wednesday that the missing Ocean Gate sub did not perform well when he went on a dive aboard the vessel himself, the 21 feet uh, uh, deep sea submersible vanished Sunday morning. Right, Gates, who uh, blah blah blah. Okay, Gates, who hosts Expedition Unknown on Discovery, had gone 
with Stockton Rush, the Ocean Gate CEO, who is now among the five missing, along with the Titan sub, on a test side before the vehicle's first visit to the Titanic site. There was another. Uh, 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 there was another thing here uh, that there was apparently a whistleblower who was fired here. Let me find that story. It's not coming up here. Uh, was apparently fired. Um, missing sub. All right. So here we go. This is out of ABC New York. Uh, extreme danger ex ocean gate employee alleges firing for raising concerns over the missing Titanic sub. The student says David Lokrich uh, disagreed with ocean gates physician to dive the submersible without any non-destructive testing. A former employee of ocean gate alleged in a 2018 counterclaim suit that he was fired for raising concerns about quality control and testing of potential flaws in the same experimental submersible that went missing this week with its crew and passengers on an underwater tourist venture uh, to seek the wreck of the Titanic. Dave Lockrich, an engineer and submarine pilot, claiming his counterclaim against the company uh, to ensure the safety of all the crew and clients during the submersible and surface operations of the vessel called Titan. But when he expressed concerns about the design and testing of the mini subs hull, he said he was terminated by the company. OceanGate uh, then sued Lockridge, alleging breach of contract, fraud, misappropriation of trade secrets. And let's see how this turned out. It was all settled out of court in November 2018. And this is part of what the problem is with setting things set of... Uh, Settling things out of court, we don't get to the bottom of these things often because there's usually a non-disclosure agreement with this or a gag order or something like this. So uh, that's right here. And when you see the search area, it goes, it's reportedly the size of Connecticut. I don't know how they're going to uh, find the thing. I hope they find the thing. Really do. Uh, with this. So that's one of the questions. When you get on a boat, now, be familiar with the emergency procedures. The, questions is, the question is, if you get a uh, line like, oh, well, we don't worry about those things, maybe you should worry about it every time. Uh, one of my, uh, I won't even mention that story. Uh, that's too good not to mention, but I won't even mention that one. Uh, I asked uh, my relative to see uh, the uh, tugboat captain. I said, what was the scariest situation you've ever been on, on the water? And you know, and he had experienced from uh, uh, age of 16, or actually 14, and now he's uh, in his 70s. So the most scariest uh, boat ride he was ever on was on a tourist for a certain uh, hydrological phenomenon. We'll leave it at that. And I said, really? And he said, really? <laughs> Anything goes wrong, that boat's going down, Jimmy. So, wow, that's in So here we have, uh, uh, what else are we talking about? Okay, Chuck Schumer. 
right, we've been talking about intelligence, right? So Chuck Schumer, just uh, you're, if you're not from the uh, New York area, you don't you probably you don't know this. Chuck Schumer is Senate Majority Leader of the Senate, the uh, United States Senate in Washington, and he always had. I'm going to give the man credit where credits. I don't agree with him on a lot of stuff. However, the man knows how to self-promote. How did he become this uh, Senate Majority Leader? I think it's in part because every Sunday he got his butt back to New York, or he gets his butt back to New York. I don't know if he still does it, but for years he would go out there, and he'd go out there and he'd start talking. Every, he had a press conference every Sunday afternoon. So on Sunday evening, you know, you're looking to have your little adult beverage. You're hanging out. What happens? Chuck Schumer is on the news. Talk. Oh, well, Chuck Schumer had his weekly uh, conference and he discussed something. And he was, he was extremely disciplined with this. Right? if he still does it, I don't know if he does it since he's majority leader. But every week you can count on him going this. And he acts commentary and everything else is actually pretty good. Like I said, I don't agree with him uh, most of the time, but I like to listen to him. So he talked about this week, uh, and this was on uh, boom, boom, boom. Wednesday, meaning today. Uh, calling the rapid growth of artificial intelligence, this is from the Associated Press, uh, Tools, a moment of revolution. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer said Wednesday that the government must act quickly to regulate companies that are developing it. The New York Democrat said he is working on what he calls exceedingly ambitious bipartisan legislation to maximize the technology's benefits and mitigate the significant risks. While Schumer did not uh, lay out details of such legislation, he offered some key goals. Protect U.S. Ele elections from AI-generated misinformation, or an interference, shield U.S. workers and intellectual property, prevent exploitation by AI algorithms, and create new guardrails to ward off bad actors. AI that legislation also should promote American innovation going on. And uh, he said uh, this in a speech at the Center for Strategic and International Studies, which is a Washington think tank. If applied correctly, and this is a quote, AI promises to transform life on Earth for the better. It will reshape how we fight disease, tackle hunter, hunger, manage our lives, enrich our minds, and ensure peace. But there are real dangers that present themselves as well. Job displacement, misinformation, a new age of weaponry, and the risk of being unable to manage this new technology altogether. So, uh, boom. Anyway, uh, this comes weeks after a high-level executives at Microsoft and Google issued a warning about the perils of artificial intelligence. So uh, it's out there. It's getting attention. As I speak to more and more people out there in the uh, world, right? I talk to a lot of people. People are, I'm finding out people are using this stuff more and more and more creatively to fashion emails on any subject. We talked about the safety applications here, but all different types, right? We talked about religious. We talked about safety. We talked about uh, fake, deep fakes, that sort of thing. 
something we need to consider, something we really probably need to worry about and be concerned about. When I say worried, I don't mean, you know, we're going to, you know, huddle up in the corner, you no know, holding our toilet paper, worried and blah, blah, blah about this. But, you know, something to think about. So this is uh, a, a couple of stories we didn't get to yesterday that are actually pretty interesting. Oh, by the way, there are noises heard by the Titanic sub, uh, what they're calling. Uh, so they're trying to uh, tune in on those. Hopefully there's uh, something there. So uh, we have, oh, here we go. Hold on. Okay. Food allergies are more common among ethnic minorities, study reveals. Uh, this is a study out of Northwestern University. Food allergies are really common. However, Northwestern University researchers reveal that ethnic minorities are more likely to have them. Despite how common food allergies are, the nature of these conditions is still unclear. Even less understood is how different racial and ethnic communities are impacted due to little research on the topic. Moreover, researchers say members of these communities tend to have less awareness about food allergies in the first place. Feeding the cycle even more, changing these realities is crucial. Okay. Uh, this is uh, out of here. Uh, how will astronauts cook fries in space? I mean, this is a big concern for me. How, how do you make fries on Mars? Scientists are cooking up ways to fry one of the world's Classic comfort foods in space. The European Space Agency is funding tests to explore frying techniques while astronauts float around in microgravity. A team is conducting experiments to devise ways to cook potatoes without leaving them undercooked and undesirable. I tell you what, we already figured this out. Throw them in an air fryer. Best thing ever. To understand how microgravity affects cooking methods like frying, the team developed a unique carousel-type apparatus that could easily safely operate safely in a weightless environment. I, you know, I don't know if you're going to be deep frying them. Is the thing, you know, all that grease, weightlessness, bad thing. Self-esteem of shorter kids linked to social support, not their height. It's a common assumption that shorter adolescents may feel lesser than their taller classmates. But new research suggests it isn't so much about their personal measurements as it is the degree of social support that, that determines feelings of adequacy. Yes, I can attest to that. If you have an issue of some sort, if you have a, a support network, you're going to be better off. New test finds in tax firm in infertile men offering hope for conceiving children. Roughly one in six couples hoping to conceive encounter fertility issues. In the U.S., estimates show that 10% of adult men are infertile. Now a new diagnostic test developed in Canada, thank you Canada, may be capable of identifying functional sperm in infertile men. The research team says the new test holds major implications for assisted reproductive technology in general and could potentially change how doctors treat male infertility. So we, uh, blah, blah, blah. 
I can't go into the rest of this because this is somewhat a, a family show and it's, I don't know, can't do this. I'll be declared in, uh, obscene, right? And where is that one story I was looking for? And hold on. Here you go. Florida County under quarantine after giant African land snail spotted. Part of Florida County, part of a Florida County was placed under quarantine this week as officials respond to a recent giant African snail sighting. The quarantine order took effect Tuesday and applies to sections of Broward County, where Florida is located, where Fort Lauderdale is located, covering around 3.5 square miles. Inside its boundaries, the order means it's illegal to move a giant African land snail or any regulated article, including but not limited to plants, plant parts, plants and soil, soil and yard waste, debris, compost, or building materials either within or outside the, of the quarantine area without first obtaining a compliance agreement. People and organizations looking to acquire a compliance agreement for certain commercial purposes like selling plants, landscaping, trash pickup can request one. So I guess they're afraid of migrating uh, these things out, right? Uh, how big is this thing? Wow, the snail is large, grown to be as long as eight inches as an adult and can procreate in enormous quantities as it lays thousands of eggs at a time. Poses significant threats of vegetation, consuming at least 500 different types of plants, as well as paint and stucco. Really? It's eating paint and stucco? In addition to causing property uh, damage, the snails also pose health risks for humans as they carry a parasite parasite called rung rat lungworm that can cause meningitis. Wow. My question is this, can you eat them? I don't know. So they think that someone brought them home as a pet and they are, are notoriously difficult to eradicate and getting rid of them can entirely can take years. Florida's agriculture department has recorded only two instances where this Nail was fully eradicated since infestations were first reported in the 1960s. Okay, we're going to take a break for a minute here, and uh, I have to set up the rest of the screen here. In a world where danger lurks in every corner, one man stands as a beacon of hope. Jim Polzel, a veteran safety expert with over three decades of experience, now bringing his knowledge to you with Safety Wars. Engaging, informative, and always relevant, that's Safety Wars. Join the safety revolution with Safety Wars, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts and videos. Have you listened or watched uh, the Safety War show? Just stream live on, on the radio and um, on the streamer emers that we have. So if you have not taken a listen to Jim Bozel and what the hell he's doing every evening with uh, Safety Wars, I would, I would strongly encourage you to um, 
to take a view or take a listen, um, whichever option is available for you, and take a listen to what the hell he has going on. Uh, it's definitely, it will take some deep dives and some information that you might be interested in. Professional safety community, communication, and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. OSHA Recordables, catastrophic losses, environmental disasters. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Pozel with Safety Wars. That's my daddy. Okay, we are back. Yes, Jessica, I am your father. Federal investigators find Piedmont Airlines failed to follow required safety procedures to protect proven guilty, and most of these things are litigated, vacated, dropped, what have you. Had this company made sure that a ground crew followed required safety procedures, a 34-year-old customer service agent might have avoided suffering fatal injuries after being pulled into the spinning turbines of a jet engine in December 22 at Montgomery Regional Airport. An investigation into the New Year's Eve fatality by OSHA determined that as the wing walker on a ground crew placed cones around the uh, plane, suction near one of the plane's engines pulled her inward. Proper training and enforcement of safety procedures could have prevented this tragedy, uh, uh, said OSHA Area Director Jose Gonzalez in Mobile, Alabama. This incident is a tragic reminder that safety measures must be in place even for a routine assignment. OSHA issued Piedmont Airlines a citation for one serious violation for exposing ground crew workers to congestion hazards while performing Aircraft marshalling, ingestion hazards. Okay, I got to look deeper into that. Wing walking and baggage handling tasks. Ingestion hazards. Uh, is that what we're calling it? The plane is alive. It's eating people. This is sort of like the SUV crashed into something or hurt something. Well, maybe right. we had a big backlash against SUVs in the mid-early 2000s. The SUV did something. Not, never mind that there was a driver behind it. Now we're saying the plane ingested the person. Really? It's not really the right word. I don't know. 
So, uh, citation one, item one. All right. Uh, was a uh, journal duty clause uh, violation. So, as a reminder, what are the four things needed for a general duty clause violation? I, I got to read this every time because I don't want to mess it up. So, you need four things. The employer has failed to keep the workplace free of a hazard to which employer employees of that employer were exposed. The hazard was recognized. The hazard was causing or likely to cause death or serious physical harm. And there was a feasible and useful method to correct the hazard. So you need those four things. But I always look them up every time. So here we have the situation, right, with... Okay, so here we have a situation with the airline, right? Uh, let's see. It was a general duty clause violation of $15,000. I believe that is the max that you can do here. All right. Uh, so general duty clause. Uh Employees that were exposed to ingestion and jet blast hazards. So, uh, ground crew employees performing aircraft marshalling, wing walking, and band baggage handling were exposed to engine ingestion. Okay, now it makes sense. Yeah, I guess so. And jet blast hazards. Among other methods, feasible and acceptable means to correct these hazards would be to ensure an effective ramp safety program that includes a heightened level of training for employees working on the ramp, this training would need to cover the safe approach distances of both the intake and exhaust side of the engines, the diamond of safety principles, and the enforcement of the policy in place for violations of the rules. So my question is this. What is a diamond of safety principle? Do, do, do. Hold on. Yes, I am doing this. Again, this is all right. Diamond of safety Okay, diamond of safety principle. Diamond is divided into four color. Okay. I'm going to have to look into that a little bit more. Diamond of safety principles. Uh, diamond safety principles. I guess it has, uh, like, you know, we have all these triangles and everything in, uh, in, uh, safety, right? Uh, uh I would say, and let's see airlines. All right. Safety diamond in aviation. These diamonds should be labeled symbol, right? It's materials. Uh, safety policy. Here it is. And safety the FAA. Safety policy, safety assurance, safety risk, and safety promotion. Okay, great. Yes, that's what that is. Uh, and the enforcement development implement a clear and unambiguous communication between ground members, such as hand signals, radios, other methods, and ensure clear instructions 
are provided. I'm sorry, I went a little bit too deep on that one. All right, Global Neck. Here we have another story. OSHA. I'm sorry, from the EPA. EPA settles with three Honolulu facilities for, to prevent oil spills. The U.S. EPA has entered into expedited settlement agreements with three companies, I'm not going to mention them, for failing to comply with SPCC, that Spill Prevention Counter Control and Countermeasure Requirements, at Honolulu facilities. The SPCC requirements prevent oil from reaching navigable waters, shorelines, and requires plans to contain oil spills. EPA found that uh, the company did not. The companies uh, did not conduct regular inspections of their tanks and containment. There was no SPCC plan at another facility, and they did not have another facility did not have a compliant SPCC plan certified by a registered professional engineer. So uh, settled with them. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, I guess that's good. EPA announces $1.5 million for brownfield sites in Dallas, Texas. U.S. EPA announced $1.5 million in funding from the President Biden's Investing in America agenda, the city of Dallas. Expedite the assessment and cleanup of brownfield sites while advance environmental justice. EPA selected the city of Dallas for brownfields assessment grant and a revolving loan fund grant. Through a 24% increase in funding for the Brownfields program, the Biden administration has shown the importance of safeguarding uplifting disadvantaged communities who have struggled for decades with pollution. EPA is pleased to partner with the city of Dallas to restore economic vitality and improve public health in communities facing environmental challenges. Okay, so let's talk about this. Heat stress. And we're heading into summer. Today was the summer solstice. Um, into tomorrow, it'll be the second birthday without my father, second of his birthday. But anyway, we always looked, uh, I, that's how I always remembered his birthday growing up was. Uh, last week of school, right? Heat stress, it's a major issue, all right, with that. OSHA has even uh, regulations and everything else. And right now, it's a general duty clause uh, violation if you get whacked with uh So uh, as it stands now, because OSHA does not have a uh, heat stress uh does not have a heat stress standard. So it's uh, very controversial, especially back in 30 years ago when I became, uh, when I came into the industry, where companies not want to supply water or Gatorade, right? And now we're always getting into this, is water better or is Gatorade better or whatever your sports drink is of choice? I prefer none. Uh, and UNN, uh, you know, uh, myself, however, uh, you know, how you no know, responsible, and this is the way I expect I explain it to employers real simple. So, uh, 
someone gets hurt at your workplace, right? It's your, it's your injury. It's real simple. So you may say, well, I don't have to buy them water. I don't have to supply water. I don't do this, 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 and this. Okay, great. You don't, you think that you don't have to do it. Again, you think you don't have to do it. But if they get hurt, it's going to cost you a lot of money. And if you're there, they die because of a heat-related injury or spend time in the hospital because of it. Not only is it an OSHA recordable, not only are they dead, that's going to cost you a whole hell of a lot more than a case of water. And this is becoming easier to manage with the advent of, uh, 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 of uh, clubs, right? Uh, discount clubs, like Costco, BJ, things of that nature. Because it used to be back in the day, you'd have somebody going out there filling up water coolers. And the things it was a bear to manage because you spend two hours first thing in the morning, you'd have one or two people running out, filling up water coolers, right? And especially if you're in a construction industry, mobile job site, uh, refining industry, shipyard, anything like that. General industry, you fix plant a little bit easier to manage. But now we have what are called cases of water with water bottles. Right, and now all you have to do is have a cooler and water bottles, and you know, supply and everything else. So uh, that's the first thing: is employers have to recognize that they it's their responsibility. They're putting people into an environment, into a situation where they have to go, and uh, they're getting hot. So. OSHA put out, and this is right off the OSHA.gov uh, website here. Preventing heat illness at work, out heat exposure can be dangerous. Protect yourself and others. Ease into work. Nearly three out of fatalities from heat illness happened during the first week of work. New and returning workers need to build tolerance to heat. Acclimatize and take frequent Follow the percent rule. Mark no more than 20% of the shift's duration at full intensity in the heat. Increase the duration at full intensity by no more than 20% a day until workers to working in the heat. Now, this is assuming, and I take no responsibility for this stuff. This is right off the government website. Uh, this is assuming you're in good health. If you're not in good health, meaning... High blood pressure, that's the main one. Another medical issues, you're on AKA water pills, mean pills that make you go pee and can control your high blood pressure. Guess what? You may never be able to get acclimatized uh, to the heat. It's a fact. So here we have drink cool water. Now, the question always is how cool is cool? We're looking at like 57 degrees Fahrenheit. Cool water. Even if you are not thirsty, at least one cup every 20 minutes. The reason being on that is, is that your body could only absorb roughly 24 ounces of water an hour. However, uh, what the, uh, uh, however, with the, uh, 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 no, 20 minutes an hour, you could sweat out more than one cup every 20 minutes. So you can quickly get into a deficit situation. 
Take rest breaks. Take enough time to recover from heat, given the temperature, humidity, and conditions. We had this issue on the Gulf oil spill where we had to have people taking heat illness, heat breaks. And what do they have on the news? These people are just sitting around drinking water. No, look at them. They're only working a half an hour every hour, 30 minutes, and they're taking a 30-minute break. Well, yeah, that's what it was. They're, they're milking the job. Really? And they're not fighting work, doing enough work to clean up that uh, spill. That's what we heard. And they had no idea of any of the work-rest regimen schedules put out by NIOSH or anything like that. Those are what you're... These things are based off of a lot. Take rest breaks, find shade or cool area. So you have a designated shady or cool area. Dress for the heat. This always gets me in the uh, in the uh, refining industry. They put everybody in dark blue coveralls, dark blue coveralls, and then put them out in the sun, and then they wonder why they have heat stress issues. Really. That fire retardant clothing can be hot, and you have to allow for that. Uh, a lot of companies they just say screw it. We're not, you know, we're, we're not going to factor this into our uh, into our bids or anything else, and and they have a problem. Watch out for each other. Monitor yourselves. The whole buddy system, and the most controversial thing: if wearing a face covering, change your face covering if it gets wet or soiled. Verbally check on others frequently. Uh, those are the basic things OSHA puts out with that. Now, what I'm surprised to see in this handout, because it's what I've been saying for 30 years here, what are, uh, what's the first day for a heat-related illness? Right, we get those. We always do stop uh, sweating, stop headache, nausea, all this other. A medical emergency? The person goes local. Abnormal behavior. Every relate, heat-related injury I have uh, been involved in responding, the person goes nuts before they uh, pass out. So, uh, or before they have a heat stroke, before they have a massive heat-related uh, uh, response here. So what are, you, what are we talking about? Abnormal thinking or behavior, slurred speech, seizures, loss of consciousness. That is a 911 or 911 call immediately. Cool the worker right away with water or ice. Stay with the worker until help arrives. Watch for any other signs of heat illness and react quickly. When in doubt, call 911. If a worker experiences headache or nausea, Weakness or dizziness, heavy sweating or hot, dry skin, elevated body temperature, thirst, or decreased urine output. What do you do? Give water to drink, remove unnecessary clothing, move to a cooler area, cool with water, ice, or a fan. Do not leave alone and seek medical care if needed. A couple of years back, I get a, I'm talking to a, a person who owns a, a company, a, a renovation company. And he says, oh, man, Jim, you wouldn't believe what happened. And I had been after this guy for years, for well, not years, but months, first aid CPR training. What do you think? And I said, look, blah, 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 first aid CPR. Oh, I don't need it. We don't need it. We don't need it. What do you think happens? One of his employers, employees has a heat-related emergency. 
Rather than giving them water and giving them water and things of this nature, it's still not an OSHA recordable. What do they do? They call an ambulance, 911, for a half a block uh, ride to the hospital because he said he was hot. He wasn't passed out. He was just hot. Ended up with a five thousand uh, uh, dollar ride to the ambulance, uh, ride to the hospital, a half a block ride to the hospital. I said, you know, had you had like first aid CPR training, like I had suggested, this might not have happened. But it's still not late. Maybe we should learn this. And, and you know, I I always push workplace first aid CPR, which is different than community CPR, uh, first aid and CPR, right? And the way you manage things. Not had that five thousand dollar bill. It turned out to be a non-recordable injury uh, in that, and they just gave him water and a sports drink. He was okay after about a half an hour. Had they given him an IV with fluids? Now you're talking OSHA recordable. That goes on the OSHA three hundred log. So we've been going at this for a little bit under an hour. Uh, I'm just going to call it quits here, and I will see you tomorrow. I've been on this computer all day for a training class, so uh, starting to get worn out here. So I'll see you tomorrow, and have a nice night. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.